Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode. I have somebody with me today who I just love dearly, just everything that she's about. And she's she's one of the people in the top tier of who inspires me and who I want to be when I grow up. And that is Mary Kelly. How are you? I'm so happy to be with you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, I'm happy that you're here and I love the message that you give to our members and to everybody. But I was kind of looking around a little bit because I know some stuff about you, but there was something today that came up. But before I get into that, I, I, I want everyone to know. So you ever around people or you think, you know, I got stuff going on. I've accomplished things in my life. I, I have some training, some certifications. I, I I got some things going on. And then you meet that person that is like, you look at their resume and you're like, okay, I've, I have done zero with my life. And so you're like that person for me. You're, you're, you're that person that I look at and go, I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. So just to kind of just run through just really quickly, because I know you're not a, like, I have a, this and I have a, that. So I want to brag for you because you don't brag just, a, you have a BS in history from the, from the United States Naval Academy, an MA in economics for the University of Oklahoma, an MA in history from the University of Hawaii, a PhD in economics from Greenwich, uh, Greenwich University, an ABD in political science from the University of Hawaii. You're a member of Mensa, which I'm going to get back to, and you're part of the American Economics Association, the National Speakers Association Magazine Editorial Chair and National Speaker Association, the CEO member of the year for 2015. You're a top 50 keynote speaker. I mean, the Navy League Leadership Award, the U.S. Air Force Academy Outstanding Educator, U.S. the list goes on. Fifth most influential media person in Colorado, Veteran Business Owner of the Year nomination, 16th World's Most Influential Economist. And let us not forget how many people as a commander <laughs> in the Navy, what did you like lead? How many people? Well, I got to train about 40,000 or only 40,000. So yeah, just uh, only Mary's like, yeah, uh, only 40,000 people. So Mensa, I, I, I asked you about that before we went live and you're like, well, I can't really take credit for that. So <laughs> Yeah. Can you share a little bit what you just shared with me about? 
Okay. So Mensa is technically the Society for People with a Genius Level IQ. And I'm a big believer that you really can't take credit for it. You get tested like when you're a kid, like under 10. And that kind of determined, that's their supposedly metric. I don't even know. I think you can do it as an adult as well. But everybody in my family is. So you can't take credit. Like for us, we're like, uh, yeah. So yeah, this stuff is like, um, yeah, no big Some deal. Some people get blue eyes or blonde yeah. hair. You got Mensa. Okay. Got it. So yeah. you have a cousin with a little bit of claim to fame that you were kind of surprised because it's just your cousin to you. So one of my cousins was actually the highest winning woman on Jeopardy. Her, uh, her name is Larissa and she's wicked smart, like super smart. Uh, so she just makes the rest of us pale in comparison. And we just admire her so much and we're cheering for her and all this. So she did so well. And she just had the most knowledge of the most abstract things on that show. And you're watching that and, you know, you're wildly proud. But again, um, she worked really hard to get there. And I think that's one nice thing about my family is everybody's a worker. Like everybody kind of digs their heels in and works and you set a goal and you achieve the goal. And we don't give each other all that much slack. You know, somebody's like, well, you know, I think I'd like to do this. We're like, why aren't you doing it? <laughs> so, you know, we kind of hold each other accountable. Wow. I, I just want to know if you sleep because you, you're the author of 15 books about business and economics, right? And you've been quoted in the Wall Street Journal, Money Magazine, Mensa, Men's Magazine, other media outlets. Like, when do you sleep? I... I, I just need to encourage my my audience <laughs> friends. I sleep. I generally sleep until I wake up. And by that, my body just naturally, I wake up early every single day. If I sleep past five, it's kind of a surprise. It doesn't matter the time zone. I just naturally wake up and I go to bed when I'm tired. Um, but I work. Um, and one of the things I want to talk to uh, your folks about today was I create tiny habits that make me more effective. So I, I don't like to be tired. Um, like last week, I was on the road a lot. So I was getting like four hours sleep a night for three nights in a row. And I don't like that. I like to sleep until I'm not tired. So that's generally six to seven, sometimes eight hours a night. So I do sleep. But I also create the systems and processes and habits so that I am more effective and more efficient. And th those are kind of the things I wanted to share today. Well, I would love to hear it because I want to be you when I grow up. So what- You can do what, so much better. <laughs> you can do so much better. What tiny habits can I start doing now, Mary, to, to holy cow? So I, I'm so glad you asked. So that I have a few tiny habits that I want to share. So first, find out who and what you want to be and then plan the steps you need to get there. Many of us, you know, we kind of stumble through life and we don't, you know, we, we don't always plan our life. So this is the 12 month leadership and success accountability planner that I shared with uh, the group la a year ago when I was at the conference. And this helps us map out our goals. So every month at the beginning of every month, I map out my top five goals. What do I need to do this month? And then, okay, crazy idea, share it with the team. Because a lot of our leaders say, okay, here's my goals. I'm like, good. Does your team know what, that those are your goals too? So let's say you have a shop and you want to, you know, you want to expand your working hours during the week so you can have time off on the weekends, or you want weekends where you're working longer hours. Not so those might be your goals. Well, are you sharing it with your team? It's really hard for your team to support you if they don't know what you're doing. For example, so like that's one. Um, another easy one is practice habit multitasking. Now, every expert on the planet is going to tell you not to multitask. Now, 
here's what's amazing to me. Your brain can be doing one thing while your body does something else. I am always astounded by the people who can touch type and be listening to somebody and touch type at the same time. Like that's multitasking. So practicing habit multitasking means taking dead time and using it for other things. So for example, I might be standing in line at the grocery store and I'm going to be either answering emails or all on our phones while I'm doing leg lifts, standing in the line at the grocery store. Um, so for example, so you're like a flamingo. Like if, if you were, yeah. if I was in line behind you at the grocery store, you're going to be okay. Yeah. I'm like doing that, but the, but then some people are embarrassed by that. I'm like, you know what? In other places, elevators, every time I get in an elevator, I do leg lifts. And especially when you're by yourself, when there's other people, sometimes not so much, um, <laughs> but then I just do like heel raises or something like look at that, look at dead time in your life or things where you're doing something else or, um, activity that does not require mental energy. Harvard came out and says, we can only do big brain things for about four hours a day, which means the rest of the time, we have to capitalize on those other things. Uh, so I say multitask, exercise while doing other things. You know, if you're waiting for your coffee to brew in the morning, you know, do arm pushups on your countertop. You know, don't just stand around do something. I and mean, if you just keep focusing on, okay, what can I be doing to move my body? Like, that's just a, like a health wise thing. Um, even if it's just as simple as, oh, maybe I should drink more water while I'm doing whatever practice. Multitasking is a tiny habit. Another tiny habit is adopt the two minute rule. And the two minute rule is do whatever you can do in two minutes as a tiny habit. When you start a new habit, it should take less than two minutes a day. So think about it. You didn't think about the fact that you brushed your teeth this morning, but you somehow managed to brush your teeth. It takes less than two minutes. Maybe you did it while doing something else. I do that a lot. So I will put toothpaste on the toothbrush and then I walk into the laundry room and I'm like, okay, um, while I'm brushing my teeth, I am loading clothes from the dryer to the washer because that's two minutes. I'm not just going to be standing there doing this. That to me is silly. So I know toothpaste in mouth spurs me to go to the laundry room. Like that's another tiny habit, um, which is confusing when I'm in hotel rooms and I'm wandering around going, shouldn't I be doing dirty clothes things? So, you know, there's that. So that's what I mean by the two minute rule. For many people, they say, so for example, I've got an executive I've been working with and they wanted her to be more of an, more of an executive presence, like how to speak better, how to present better, how to, you know, articulate, you know, persuade people better. And one of her challenges was getting enough water in the day. So it's a two minute rule. And so you set your watch, um, you know, set the alarm on your watch every hour. And so that when it just buzzes on her arm watch. And so she knows it's time to go refill the water bottle, like little things like that, that once they become a habit, it buzzes and you automatically reach for the water. You don't have to think. See, I'm a big fan of not using big brain activities on little brain things. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So a couple others that uh, folks might find helpful is I, I do like this idea of figuring out who your who your, your community is and then join and participate to align and develop where you want to go. And part of that is, are you a habit? Are you hanging out with the people who are promoting where you want to go? If you are, if, if you want to be a healthy eater and you're hanging out with people who are always eating junk food, that that's, that's setting you back. You're sabotaging yourself. If you're a business person and you want to be moving forward, 
find people who are more successful than you in the business area you want to be part of and go do that. Many of us, I think it's, and it's hard. It's really hard to get out of status quo every every month as part of that 12 month planner. And I drink my own Kool-Aid. I mean, I, I do, I do my book on this too, every single month. Part of it is what did I learn this month? And if you get around the end of the month, you know, we're kind of at the end of the month and you kind of look at it and go, what did I learn this month? And if nothing pops in, all of a sudden you have to go, Oh, I need to learn something. Sometimes that means I need to, I need to listen to a podcast. I need to take a webinar. I need to go attend a class. You know, we always have to be pushing ourselves to be better and having a group of people around you who help you push to be better is helpful too. So part of the habit is I I make sure that I've got people I call every month to stay accountable. You know, weightlifters have people who track what they do. Um, we've got to do the same thing in business, you know. Now, keep in mind, we're going to slip up. So let's say you're just trying to drink more water every day, just as an example, or you want to read more business books every day get back on the wagon. And I, I liken business progress to dieting because I think it's something we can all, I mean, I don't know, I'm at a certain you know, age where um, everything apparently matters. I miss the days when I was 21 and I could you know, eat like an entire Olympic training team and it didn't seem to matter at all. And now- Oh, you know, you're not kidding. You're not have, kidding. Oh, <laughs> you know, just the smallest things and, and your body reacts. It's very tempting. It was very tempting for me in my earlier days and it's still tempting is- you know, I'll be at a great event and I was at a great event last week in Vermont and Vermont had all these fresh blueberries and somebody had done the right thing and put those things into a cobbler with homemade ice cream. And it was absolutely delicious. <laughs> and, you know, it was so tempting. And I ate it and it was absolutely delicious. It's so tempting to go, oh, well, since I'm already eating the cobbler and the ice cream, I should also have the donuts and the blueberry muffins and the scones and the homemade cinnamon rolls. Um, you can't do that. Once you slip up, you have to get back on the wagon. You have to remind yourself, okay, you know, that was a thing, you know, donuts one day is a treat donuts two day in a, in a row. That's starting to look like a habit. So you got to make sure that the habit is a habit. Um, and that means making strong choices every day, just on, on tiny things. And, and for some people it's the don't break the chain idea. I've got a friend who has a calendar and if she drinks, you know, her, I'm just, you know, her, just dieting is such a great analogy for business growth. If she drinks her 10 bottles of water a day, she gets to put a big red X on the calendar and she doesn't want to break the chain. So the goal is do 10 days in a row and then 20 days in a row and then 28 days, you know, cause it takes, you know, they say 21 days or 28 days or 45 days or 60 days, however long it takes to make a habit. It's all very much dependent on you. But sometimes just seeing progress and not breaking the chain is helpful. So those are some tiny habits. I've got a couple others. For example, I use dead time. And by dead time, I mean, uh, somebody asked yesterday, they said, well, how do you how do you bounce back and forth? I, just this month, I was on 29 planes. That's a oh lot. Oh my gosh. Yes, well, that that's is. a lot. That's a lot. And I said, well, you have to remember for me, playing time is work time. And they're like, what? And I said, no. So my body knows what 10,000 feet feels like, because that's when you're allowed to pull out your computer. Now, from the time that we pull back, you know, and they tell you to turn your phone off, um, see, that's playtime. Now, that's when I can read. That's when I can jump on my Kindle. That's on my phone. That's when I can, that's playtime. From the time we push back until 10,000 feet, that's like the playtime. And then, boom, ding, you're at 10,000 feet. 
that means you need to get to work. So that's reviewing the PowerPoint, making sure everything looks good. That means writing articles. That means crafting a new workbook. That means whatever challenge my clients are having right now, I need to be thinking about that because there's no Wi-Fi. There's nobody to talk to. There's nobody bothering me. Plane time, 10,000 feet, that's work time. So my body feels it and I just automatically reach the computer. I don't have to think. And anytime you can set your yourself up for success with a system, a process, or a habit so that you don't, you're not thinking, oh, do I want to work now? No, 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 no. If you ask yourself if you want to work, your brain goes, no, we want to watch movies. We want to watch TV. We want to take advantage of the in-flight entertainment. Your body's not going to want to do that. So you don't give yourself that choice. It's like it's like um, athletes who are training. They don't wake up in the morning. You know, your your Olympic ice skaters. They don't wake up in the morning. And go. Do I want to go to the ice today? Do I want to go practice? That decision has already been made. So for many of my executives, I say, you know, you need to decide now that you're going to be successful. Like turn the switch. Decide to be successful, and then the decision's done. Then you don't second guess your your decision, and you don't think, "Oh, I'm going to watch a movie." No, you know you're going to work, and you can count on that. So that's kind. Of, those are kind of the tiny habits that I've been uh, playing with right now with my executives. I love that, and and that you can make manageable tiny things. And a lot of times when we speak to people and our CEOs, and they they're like, "I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to do this. I don't." And it, it's the little things that compound effect, right? That, that makes all the changes. And you mentioned you have to decide to do it a couple of times. And I really hope everybody tuned into that because it is a decision. And, you know, I was kind of joking a little bit about, do you sleep? You are a perfect example. You have the same amount of hours in a day that I do. And somehow <laughs> you managed to lead 40,000 do all these things, right? And so you made decisions to use your time in a in a very productive way. And it's not, we're, we're so in the victim mentality lately. I It seems like everything's happening to everybody. And, you know, they can't get out of work early and they can't get home with their family and they can't do this and they can't do that instead of deciding that they're going to. And that that's half of the battle, right? Is making that decision to, to go forward. So that's such a powerful word, can't. When people say, well, I can't because, stop. Try putting in the word, I won't, because that means you're taking responsibility for your actions. Oh, I won't get that done because, you know, I can't do that because I don't have time. Wait a second. You would make the time if it was really important. So stop making excuses. Either tell people you're not going to get it done because it's not going to get done or decide you're going to do it and then get it done um, and make a list and put it on your list. And you know me, I, I live in... I, every single day I do my productivity sheet and the productivity sheet every single day are the appointments I have because I shouldn't miss appointments. Now, occasionally it, it happens. And then I've, I, I, but I, I'm just never that person. Um, as you know, I'm reliable. That's the idea, except with you sometimes. Um, and, but the calls I need to make, the follow-up I need to do, my actual to-dos every single day, that gets mapped out and that's mapped out for the week. So as, and there's time built in for flex because let's face it, as CEOs, as people who are running businesses, sometimes emergencies happen and we have to be able to flex. If you are scheduled 12 hours a day, um, the smallest thing is going to derail you and that throws everything off. So you have to schedule your time, but also schedule in time for being the boss and making sure that you can flex to emergencies. So whenever people say, well, I can't do that. You can, you've just chosen not to. And there's a big difference. I wonder how many people will, will make that change of that simple word and own up <laughs> to the fact that 
Well, that brings me to my next topic that I, I was hoping you could share some of your insight with our listeners of the time suck of stress and crisis challenge change. Seems like that's a good segue into that topic. I, so first off, people need to understand that the last couple of years have increased stress levels. So before the you know what hit, and I try not to even say the word because it gives it power. But before this, you know, we we were working, we had a job, we're active in the community, we're active with our friends, we're doing things with our family, we're caring for the people we care about, we're spending time with our friends, we're volunteering, we're part of our church or our synagogue or our mosque or whatever it was. We our bucket was full. You know, our time bucket was full. And now all of a sudden you throw on a new crisis, a new challenge, a new change. So maybe the crisis is a global pandemic. Maybe it is a software change at work. Maybe it's a leadership change where one of your managers left. And that adds in a time, a time suck, you know, and it's not just a time suck. It's adding to stress and subtracting time. And somewhere the math starts to get bad for you. So once that stress bucket gets full and it starts to overflow because we don't have enough time, you have to understand that additional stress on you and your family and all the changes is unhealthy and it creates uncertainty. And when you're, and you have to remember that adding stress um, has the same effect long-term as chronic pain. And this is why so many people just seem distracted. They can't seem to focus. Like people who before could tackle an eight-hour job and now you have to say, okay, here's what you're going to do for the next hour. And then you have to check back with them in an hour. And then you get, okay, now for the next 45 minutes, I want you to do this. Where a couple of years ago, they could handle eight hours. It's literally because our brains are tired and stressed out. So our job as a leader is to acknowledge that there's a stress bucket. Well, we still got to hold people accountable. They still got to do their job. But at the same time, we have to fill their happiness and purpose bucket. And that sounds very woo-hoo-y. But as a leadership person, I can tell you that people need to know that what they do is important. You have to remind them, hey, what we do is important. You know, Mrs. Jones needs her car fixed because it is the only vehicle she has. And I know it's 27 years old, but you know what? We are going to do this for her because it's all she has. Like people need to know it's not just a vehicle. It's a big part of somebody's life. So reinvigorating people with that sense of purpose is critical. Letting people know they're appreciated, valued, and respected. And that sounds trite and it rolls off the tongue very easily. But if you ask people, you say, well, are you appreciating your people at work? And leaders and managers say, oh, yeah, you know, we have this yearly promotion thing or we do this thing and, you know, everybody gets a trophy. Okay. well, if I asked your employees, do you feel appreciated enough at work? What would they say? And resoundingly, 47.3 million people have said no. I am not appreciated enough at work. And that is why I have quit. And that is why in the past 16 months, we have seen 47.3 million people leave their jobs because they are not valued and appreciated and respected at work. And it's little things that you don't realize when people come into work and well, there's no coffee. Well, why isn't there coffee? Oh, well, we ran out yesterday and nobody thought it was that important today. That tells your people you don't appreciate them. That tells them you don't care. So it's little things that contribute to the appreciation. Once a year going, here's a bonus of $500. That's nice, but it's not enough. You are so right in in that aspect. All of the surveys we've been seeing with our members with engagement and there's shop owners that do amazing things with their internal customers and have team building events and celebrate their birthdays and their tenure and basically are jumping through hoops 
in, in their mind to do all these wonderful things. And then it comes time to take the survey and they're not feeling appreciated. They're not feeling listened to. And it's like, holy cow, some of our business owners are like, what, what more can I do? And it is not so much about the actual item that you're doing. It's listening to your people and what do they want you to do? And anyone that thinks anymore that if they bust their, you know, hump for a year and work really hard and get a $500 bonus at the end of the year, that is not that holiday bonus, that whatever, that is not motivating them through the 12 months. And, and so there's been a huge shift in, I think leadership qualities needed because it's a different world, right? I mean, it's so many years was it's my way or the highway. This is the way we do it. And um, that is not the world we live in anymore at all. It really isn't. And when you think about, you know, just appreciating people, and I'm not talking everybody gets a trophy. No. I want to make sure that we're appreciating the right people because let's face it, some of those 47.3 million people, they needed to leave and you needed to fire them. So they did you a favor by leaving you. But in terms of the appreciation, you can't tell somebody thank you once a year and expect it to be enough. Again, it's like drinking water every day. You got to let people know that they're doing the right thing and you have to let them know when they're doing it and you have to let them know that you appreciate it. And more smaller gestures is more important than one big one. The way I, I outline this, you know, I love to use dogs in my examples is if I give my dog, you know, an eight ounce steak, the dog wolfs it down in like three bites and then looks to me and goes, and what else you got? But if I take that eight ounce steak and break it into a hundred little tiny pieces, each one of those is a treat. And that's where we kind of have to get with people. And some people are, are going to take that poorly and say, um, Mary's comparing my people to dogs. I am. I keep mine. <laughs> Treat your people highest, like a dog. <laughs> it's the highest compliment I can give you. Uh, my dogs are better fed and have more toys than I ever did growing up. But we need to, people need more more treats more often. They need to know that it's extra. Like if you provide lunch every single day, they're going to take that for granted. So, you know, for example, so you have to break it up. It can't be the same thing all the time either, because that doesn't work. Then it becomes an entitlement and expectation. So there's, there's, you have to figure out ways to balance it. So you have to break it up. Like um, one Friday a month, it's going to be lunch and maybe one Friday a month, it's going to be donuts and one, you know, what, and one, whatever it is, break it up or one Friday surprise everybody and say, Hey, um, I schedule it so that everybody takes off two hours early today with pay. Boom. Like break it up so that they're not expecting it, but they're always pleasantly surprised when it happens, like really care for your people, the way, you know, the way you want to show maybe your life partner that you appreciate them, like small gestures over, you know, on a more regular basis means a lot more. Such good advice. Why do you think that I, here's what I hear now when, when I have these conversations with the, the business owners and the executives we work with, well, if I, you know, start doing that, then it, you know, it's all mamby pamby and I'm not about that kumbaya and, you know, I'm not going to go out and keep complimenting them or thanking them for doing the job they get paid for. And, you know, when you speak to somebody about maybe have, think about having flexible hours to attract more people or whatever, that, that right away their head goes to, I can't have them all running amok and coming in whenever they want. So having flexible hours doesn't mean everybody comes in whenever they want to. It means working with a person to see what hours fit their schedule. And then that person has to adhere to that schedule. We're not talking about throwing out accountability and guidelines and processes. Why do you think that a lot of leaders just go right to that? Like, no, cause it's gonna just be, you know, chaos. I can't, I can't do that. Right. So 
we tend to lead the way we were taught first. So for a lot of, especially our more experienced leaders, they grew up perhaps at a shop where there was no latitude. It was, you will be here at 7 a.m. You will not leave until five. That is how we operate. You don't like it. It's my way or the highway. And so we kind of revert back to how we were taught. Most of us parent the way we were raised, um, good, bad, or indifferent. Well, in families, that's a whole different other, that's a whole other other industry. But for business, we have to remember that salary and wages entice people to come work for you. Benefits, you know, the salary and wages attract, the benefits entice them, but it's the flexibility and the leadership that keep people. So yeah, you can say, no, we're not going to do that. But then you should expect people to leave you because they are going to go to a place where there is more flexibility and better leadership. And I did say it, I said better leadership because now our leadership is why people are leaving jobs. Our, when when I do the exit interviews, when people leave organizations, what they tell me is very different from what they're telling the organization. They say, oh, I've decided to take my career in a different in a different direction. Uh-huh. They hate their boss. When they say, I've decided to um, you know, explore a different industry, they hate their boss. When they say, I've decided to move my business from you know, Illinois to Kentucky, it's because they hate their boss. And a lot of lead, what they're and they're telling you something, but that is not what they're telling me. They're saying that my my leader is falling into the category of the fifty eight percent of managers in the United States who have never had any managerial training. They get promoted and they're terrible at it, and sixty percent of managers fail in the first two years. And when you think about the churn and burn of all the employees who are experiencing bad leadership and bad management, because you have failed to train your leaders well, and you haven't trained your managers in a way that helps them manage people. And it's, it's, you manage the products, you lead people, we've all heard that, but it means you actually have to get in there and get to know your people and figure out what's important to them and work things around their schedule. And you're going to lose talent. If you say, you know, working hours are seven to five. Well, wait a second. You know, daycare for my kid doesn't start till 730. I can't be here till 745. And you go, well, that's tough luck. Well, then that person's going to leave you and go find somebody else who is going to be um, flexible. It doesn't mean that they're working less. It doesn't mean, you know, they're not going to get things done. It means you as a leader have to be better. You have to get to know your people. You have to know what's important to them. And you have to be flexible with with their needs. Now that doesn't mean you're unfair. It means, hey, you know, Sally's going to come in at six o'clock in the morning and Bob isn't going to get here till eight, but you make it really transparent and you make it fair. You can be flexible and be fair. You can hold people accountable and be a good leader and be empathetic at the same time. Does it take more effort? It does. And that's why a lot of people don't want to. And because of that, they're losing people. <laughs> The great resignation, right? I, I know everybody's sick of hearing about that. I so enjoyed our conversation today and I hope everybody really listened. And I really, I'm going to put you on the spot here live. Well, not live. This will be a recording, but will you come back so we can finish this conversation because it's wonderful and um, people need to hear it. And and just want to make sure everybody heard the part. You can hold people accountable and be flexible at the same time. It is not an either or. We have to stop throwing everything in the kitchen sink and being like, oh, if they, you know, we do this and this is going to happen. So you have some resources for our listeners and the link's going to be in the comments when they log into the episode, but it's uh, www.productiveleaders.com forward slash free. And so if they sign up for your things, are they going to get bombarded, Mary, with a thousand sales calls and other people like sometimes happens that we all hate? 
We don't do that. So you go to productiveleaders.com forward slash free, and it is a direct super secret link on the website. And it's got a bunch of free stuff. It's got the five minute vision plan for your business. It's got the five minute business plan. It's got my uh, productivity sheets, the things I use every single day, the productivity week. It's got checklists for what to do in case of just all kinds of resources on that page. Um, I started using that page for my clients before people had things like Dropbox and clouds and all of that. So I would just populate that with whatever I was working with at the time. So it is a direct place. That is where, when I need a new productivity sheet and I'm on the road, I just go right there too. Productiveleaders.com forward slash free. It's all right there. Fantastic. If you want me to stalk you, I will. I mean, send me <laughs> Well, apparently you have time to stock on top of everything else because you have been able to fit more things in a day, I think, than than anybody else. So I, you would have the time to be a stalker if people want it. And then you have two new books, right? The Five Minute Leadership Guide and 52 Weeks to Building a Better Business. Both of them on are on Amazon along with the other, is it 13 books in addition to these that you have written? Yes. And thanks for mentioning that the five minute leadership guide is designed for busy leaders who are just trying to get a little bit better in less than five minutes a day. And it's a little bit of accountability and it asks you some questions in the, you know, every day you kind of just map out what you're going to think about today to be better, what you need to do. So let's say maybe you had a tough situation with an employee and you're like, okay, I, I could have handled that a little bit better. And this is how, so it's, it's how to be a better leader in less than five minutes a day. And in the very, very beginning of the book, it's got places to go for all the resources. You can build your your strategic life plan, your strategic business plan. It gives you links to all of that. That's another 50-page workbook. So it's all there. So that's the five-minute leadership guide. People really like it, especially my, my um, emerging leaders, my young professionals. And then the 52 weeks, um, it's five minutes a day, 52 weeks to building a better business. That is a eight and a half by 11. And it comes with a vault. And the vault is really the the benefit. And it's 80 of the best five-minute plans that's designed in categories that starts with um, establishing your business, building your business, growing your business, being more productive, being a better leader, and getting more out of your team. And it's one-page solutions, and some's fill in the blank. Some of it's just guidance that you use with your team. The idea is you do one five-minute plan every week and increase your revenues and your profits. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you for sharing that with us. And, and thank you for keeping up and everything that's going on in the world to be able to share what's going on. Also, I, I, I don't know how you keep track of all the things going on everywhere that you do. You are, you are a Marvel Mary for sure. So everybody, I will have you heard, you heard Mary agree to it. She will be back to Absolutely. pick up on where we left off. And so in the meantime, until next week, stay safe, make good choices and stay inspired. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can. 